Amen. Please remain standing. Amy is coming to read our scripture this morning. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. It's found on, on page 697 of your pew Bibles, if you would like to follow along in the pew Bibles or in your own Bibles as well. Again, Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And, said to, uh, and he said to, to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. O oh God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life. Indeed, that we might be people of life. Now, God, today, may you hide me behind your cross, that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I am an awful friend. <laughs> I, am an, I am an awful, awful friend. At my, at my previous church, my, uh, my best friend growing up, since, he was in the, since, since I was in the third grade and he was in the fifth grade, he was a couple years grades ahead of me, uh, we, were, we were best friends when we first met when I was in the third grade. In fact, we, we were really inseparable. We hung out all the time. If, if, I, went into, if I went into town, I mean, and again, I grew up six miles out, out, way out in the country, outside of a little small town. When I went into town, I went to see my, my friend Darren. I hung out with him all the time. We were, we were best friends when we were in high school. Uh, when he went on to college, I, I followed him to college, and we were, we were best friends in college. He was my roommate for a couple of years in college. He was the best man at my, at my wedding. I mean, I, I, he, he, he was there with, uh, with, with, uh, with me when I met my wife, and I was, um, I was there with him when he met, when he met his wife. We were, we've always, always been best friends. Well, and so when I, was, uh, when I lived in Enid, he's a school superintendent, and he, uh, he, he became a superintendent of schools at a, at a small, small town about 20 miles outside of Enid. And so we were 20 miles away from each other, and we never saw each other. <laughs> We never saw each other. I, I never, I mean, we would see each other once or twice, maybe twice a year, 
I, I, I hardly ever called him. We didn't, we didn't really text much. I, I still say Darren is my, is my best friend and always, and always has been, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm not a very good friend. I, I'm so bad at following up, at following up uh, following up with friends and keeping in connection with with friends, I, and 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 what I would consider as someone who is an awful friend is someone that probably doesn't have always the healthiest of relationships, and I've noticed that about myself. Uh, sometimes I, I I I have very deep and very close friends, but I but I never talk to them. I I'm always so very busy with with all kinds of other things. Oftentimes I I find myself pouring my life into, into something that's pretty meaningless rather than pouring myself into deep and abiding relationships. I'll find myself that I'll, that I'll binge watch a TV show rather than, rather than call a friend, or, 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 or I'll, I'll sit down and watch four hours of, of football on a, on a Saturday instead of, instead of connecting with my, with my family. Well, a few years ago, it's been close to 10 years ago, there was a, there was a survey that was conducted um, by, a, um, well, by, by a couple of people, and, and they conducted this survey. They, they, asked, they, they began to ask, so what, what makes your life so complicated? What, what are some things that are, that are complicated about your life, and where would you like to find some simplicity in your life? And there were, there were a number of responses, and so they, the, 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 the people that conducted this survey, they, uh, they, they, they compiled all the data, and then they dove a little bit deeper underneath the data, and they began to interview the people who had responded to the surveys. They found that, that there were four primary areas that, that Americans were finding their, their lives very, very complex. And, and one, of those, one of those areas is relationship. Another was, uh, was time. Uh, another, uh, another was money. And another was about their own spiritual lives. And so beginning today, over the next four weeks, today and, and, the, and the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at those, those, those four topics, relationships, um, uh, time, money, and, and faith, and how we can, how we can simplify our lives. And so as they, conducted this, uh, as they conducted this survey, again, they went a little bit deeper than the survey, and they, they, began, to, they began to interview some of these folks, and they, they started getting some responses that, that tended to, to kind of resonate with a number of folks, especially when it came to this, especially when it came to this topic of, of relationships. So here, here are some of... Um, I don't know. I have no idea where that came from. Um, I, if you'll go back to the, you go back to my slides here in my sermon. I, I don't know. I don't know what I. I clicked something wrong here. Maybe. Um, so um, here, let's see. Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, this is this is one of the quotes uh, from one of the people that was given was given the the survey. They said, "I have lots of people and family around me, but I am so lonely." They had a number of people that, that began to say things like this. They had, they had lots of relationships, but they were really unhealthy relationships. Because when we're in a healthy relationship, it's, it, we don't feel like we're all alone. We feel like we have someone with us in this, in this journey of life. Another, another comment, we are, we are constantly on the go uh, to our children's sporting events and, and hardly have any quality time together. We are literally gone from home almost every night of the week. 
I remember when our, when our children were young. That's how it was. We, we met one another coming and going. We hardly ever had supper time together because we were always at, at some sort of event. Uh, I, I, wish, I, I wish he or she would spend as much time with me and our family as, 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 with, a, as with a computer or cell phone or TV. Have you ever heard that comment from from your family member or a friend? I'll be honest, I've, I've heard that comment uh, multiple times from, from my wife. You see, when, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to relationships, instead of, instead of having health and wholeness, so often instead we, uh, we, we have unhealth in our relationships. Some of the wives had these kinds of things to say. One wife said, I wish he would help with just a little, just a little bit of the housework. He, he, he would shock me if he just emptied the dishwasher one evening. Another wife said this. She said, flowers, just once, just one time, unexpected, no special occasion, just flowers. One husband said this, I would be happier if she showed more, at least some interest in my work. Another one said, why can't she just try to enjoy watching one football game with me? You see, so often what happens is that, is that we become a family, we become a, a married couple that, that happen to share the same house as two people that happen to share the same house. We happen to share the same kids, but we're living our own separate lives. Brothers and sisters, this is not how it was intended to be at all. Two-thirds of those who responded who responded to the survey, they said that they were worried about how their kids were going to turn out. Two-thirds of Americans are worried about how their kids are, are going to turn out. The majority of Americans say that they don't know their children. The majority of Americans in this survey said that they don't know their children. Now, we get that whenever they start driving. I mean, we understand that because, because before our kids start driving, we're around them all the time. We, we take them to school. We have wonderful conversations with them. And then when they start driving, those of you with small children, you'll recognize this one of these days. When they start driving, you hardly ever see your kids. You hardly, hardly ever see your kids again. And then when they get off to college and then they get married and they've got their own, their own separate lives. But these are Americans with young children. Now, now, hear me, we have fooled ourselves, uh, and again, I'm, I'm talking to everyone here, whether you have small children at home or whether you have grandchildren as well, I want you to hear this. We have absolutely fooled ourselves when we think that if we are involved in our children's activities, that's good quality time. It's not. It absolutely is not. I have had so many couples that have come and, and come and sit in my office across, across my desk in my office over the years, and they have talked about uh, the chaos of their lives, and their children are involved in one activity after another activity after another activity, and it is absolutely destroying their marriage. It is absolutely destroying their relationship because they, although they are together all the time, they really aren't together. Two-thirds of Americans are worried about how their children are going, to, are going to turn out. 
only 36% of Americans say that their spouse offers words of encouragement. Only 36% of Americans say that their spouse offers a word of encouragement. And this was shocking. Only 35%. Well, now, now, now here, now, now it, it, it seems like, well, that's, well that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good statistic. 35% of uh, Americans, only 35% of Americans, can say with certainty uh, that they, that can't say with certainty that they would marry their current spouse again. Again, 65% of Americans say, oh yeah, the person that I'm married to, oh yeah, I'd marry them again. Think about this though. 35% of Americans can't say with certainty that the person that they're married to now, they would marry again uh, if they had, a, had it to do all over again. So if you think about that, well, well more than 50% of, of, of marriages in the United States have one person that says, mm, I'm not sure I'd do this again. That is not healthy relationships. That's not what I would consider healthy relationships. And so as we begin to think about relationships today, we're not just talking about a relationship between a husband and a wife or relationships between parents and children. We're also talking about relationships between friends as well. Again, what I have found, what I have found, and I know that it's true in my life, and I certainly know that it's true in your life as well, that with the advent of technology, it was supposed to save us so much more time. And we think that just clicking the little like button on, a social, uh, on social media is the same way as having a strong relationship with someone else. It absolutely is not. It absolutely is not. We, need to, we must begin to start connecting with one another in a real sense of being connected. L- listen listen, listen to, the, to the quote from, uh, again, the, the authors of this, of this survey, they, they wrote a book, and the title of the book is Simple Life. And, and some of the thoughts of this series have come from that, especially uh, some of the survey stuff. And this is, what they, this is what they said. They said, in our surveys, we heard little about buying nicer cars, getting children more involved in sports, taking on more work hours, or buying bigger homes with bigger mortgage payments. The good life, the simple life of faith is built on deep relationships, not material goods and endless activities. Did you hear that? I want to say that again. Get this embedded into your minds. The good life, the simple life, the life of faith is built upon deep relationships, not material goods and endless activities. Until we, begin, we can begin to, to get that into our mind, until we can begin to live this out, we are going to struggle in our relationships. And because we struggle in our relationships, we're going to struggle with feelings of loneliness. We're going to, fe- we're going to struggle with feelings of despair. We're even going to struggle with feelings of depression. Because humans were created for relationships. We are created in the image of God. And one of the first things that God did, in fact, the very pinnacle of the creation was when he created man and woman. Why did he create man and woman? So he could be in relationship with them. 
And we are created as people to be in relationship. One of the most inhumane things you can do to another human is to put them in solitary confinement, to cut off all human relationships with them. It's the most inhumane thing that we can do to one another because we are, we are created for strong and deep and abiding relationships, and Jesus knew that. He knew that, that relationships were at the very core of, of, who, of who we are. He knew, he knew that, that, that relationships should be the very core of, of who we are rather than lives that are full of material possessions and endless activities and selfishness. James and John, uh, known as the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus. and uh, Well, actually, it was their mother that came to Jesus. You heard the story. Their mother came to Jesus and said, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, and she meant that literally, by the way, for they believed that the Messiah would be a political Messiah, and he literally would have a throne that he set upon, and he would come and restore Israel to its rightful place as a great empire, worldwide empire, and, and that God would, would once again bless the, the Israelites and the Hebrew people with power and prestige and wealth so that they could be a blessing to all of the world. And so they believed that Jesus was, was, the, was, was, was going to be the new king, and he would, and he would kick out the, the, ro, the, the ruling Romans. And so she literally meant that, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, when you become, when you become uh, the emperor of this nation of, uh, of Israel, would you, would you put one of my sons on your right and the other on your left? Would you make one of them your vice president and the other your chief of staff? That's what she's asking for. And Jesus asks her, do you, you, don't, you don't, I mean, do you really know what you're asking? Can you drink of this cup that I'm about to drink? Oh, oh, yes. Sure, we can be, we can be second in command. You bet we can do that. That's not what Jesus was saying, though, was it? They didn't recognize the kind of cup that Jesus was about to drink from. Oh, of, of course, of course we can, we can rule right there along with you. And, and, and Jesus goes on further and begins to explain to all of his disciples what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about ruling and lording it over others, but he, but he clarified and, 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 said, and said this. It shall not be among you, so among you, lording it over and exercising authority. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even the Son of Man did not come uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I think there are so many keys to healthy relationships in what Jesus is saying here. It's about selflessness not selfishness. If we're, going to have, if we're going to have strong and deep and abiding and healthy relationships, we must begin to move from selfishness to selflessness. And those of you who are married, you've recognized this. When, when, when um, Amy and I got married, they, uh, they took the, it was the big old shoulder camcorders, remember those? And they took the big shoulder camcorder around and they began to ask people uh, that, were at the, that were at the wedding, so what would be your advice for this new couple as they embark on this, on this marriage relationship? And so my, they, they asked my mom about it. And I have heard my mother say this so many, so many times. 
she looked into the camera and she said, the key, the key to having a, a healthy marriage and a healthy relationship with your spouse is that you always do what your spouse wants to do. You, you always do what your spouse wants to do. You watch the TV show that your spouse wants to watch. You go eat the food that your spouse wants to watch. You, go, you do things that your spouse wants to wa- do. And when both of you do that, you see that is selflessness, not selfishness. And those of you who are married, you know that's, that you know that's one, of the, one of the keys to being a, having a healthy relationship is when we are selfless in our relationships. But it's not just uh, a relationship between spouses. It's a relationship between friends as well. You know, there are times that I come into friendships. I, 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 well, I have a, I have a, a friend uh, that used to call me all the time. She would call me once a month or so. And these, I knew when I saw her name on the caller ID, I just kind of, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I was never quite sure whether I wanted to answer it or not. And I would answer and uh, we would talk. Well, maybe I should say she would talk for the next 45 minutes. And uh, I would say, uh-huh, yep. Those are the words that I would say for the next 45 minutes. Uh, she was, uh, uh, what I, I, I say that she was an, an, an emotional dumper. Do you, know, do you know those kind of people? They just take all of their emotions and they just, they just dump them out there. And, and, and that's what she did. Uh, she, she was an emotional dumper at that time. She was in a, she was in a really unhealthy place in, in so many ways. Um, and, you know, after, after a couple of years of her doing this to me, I finally... I finally began to ask myself, so what am I getting out of this relationship? I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting nothing out of this. I mean, I'm just there for her, for her to, to dump all of her emotions on and, to, and for her to, uh, to spew all of her stuff all over, and, and I'm not getting anything out of, out of this relationship. And I'll tell you, that wasn't the healthiest relationship or the healthiest friendship that I've ever been in, but I, but I will say that I really was there for her in a, in a very, very difficult time. She was struggling in ministry. She was struggling in her family relationship. She was struggling in her, in, uh, in, in her relationship with her husband as well. He was going through some health concerns. Her parents, there was some chaos in, in her parents' life as well. It really was a, a very selfish thing for me to begin to think, well, you know, I'm not getting anything out of this relationship. I'm going to be done, for, done with this. I'm glad I stayed in that relationship. I'm, I'm glad I continued to take her phone calls. And, and eventually she got healthier, and we have, a, we have a great relationship, and we talk on the phone. In fact, just last week uh, we texted back and forth and, and had, a, had, a wonderful, had a wonderful conversation. We must begin to move from selfishness to selflessness. We must begin to, uh, to put relationships before, uh, before binge-watching TV shows and, uh, and, and, and doing all other, kinds of, all other kinds of activities. Jesus recognized that. And he said, if, if, if you want to be great, you've got to be a servant. You've got to be a servant. So you've got to move from selfishness to, to selfless, from selfishness to selflessness. The, the final thing that I would that I would that I would say, and I, I, I think I, I think I missed one. We, we've got to move from we've got to move from the from the material to the relational again, uh, guys. We've 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 got to stop this uh, this this constant connection with 
uh, with digital entertainment and social media. We have to stop. It is absolutely ruining relationships. It is ruining marriages. I can't tell you how many people I've had in my office uh, that, have, that have, they've talked about uh, addictions to technology all the time. We have to begin, we have to begin to move, recognizing that relationships are so much more important. And men, men, hear me here. I, I've had so many men in my office, and, and, and they've said things like this. Well, I don't know what my wife and family wants. I give them everything that they've ever wanted. I grew up in poverty, and I've given them a big house. I've given my wife a good car to, uh, to drive. I've given them absolutely everything, and they are never satisfied. I've had so many men tell me that. Now, hear me, men. Your family doesn't need more stuff. They need you. Your family does not need more stuff. They need you. They need you to be present, to be there with them during their, during their times of crisis, to be there uh, and, 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 and to have a deep and abiding relationship with them. They don't need any more stuff. By the way, remember this when it comes to Christmas this year. Your kids and grandkids don't need more stuff. They need you. That's what they need more than anything else. So I want you to take out your bulletin. And on the back of your bulletin, everybody take out your bulletin. There on the back of your bulletin, you'll find a place there for notes. There's a relationship that you need to work on more than any other. I know there is. Um, and, and by the way, so whenever we hear things like this, we think, okay, we, well, I, I, we've got to repair all of our relationships. We've got to get serious about all of them. Okay, I'm going to call Darren uh, twice a day in the, ne- in the next month. I'm going I'm to make sure I do. Oh, yeah, I've got a daughter that just got married, so I'm going to make sure that I call her a day or two or a time or two a week. Oh, yeah, we've got a son that is living off on his own. We need to contact with, oh, yeah, and I've got a wife at home as well. Oh, I've got lots of church family, lots of relationships, coworkers. Got to work on all of them. No, I, what, what you need to do is work on one. Think about one relationship that you really need, that you really, there's really some unhealth there whether it's a friend or whether it's a spouse or whether it's a family member, you know that this is really an unhealthy relationship. There used to be a really, there used to be a really strong bond there, but you've you just kind of lost track with one another. Again, it may be a spouse. You may feel like you're just simply two people that happen to be sharing the same home and sharing the same kids, and that's it. You need to connect with your spouse. Or it may be a friend, or it may be another family. I want you, a family member, I want you to write the name of that person there on the top of that, that little section for notes. You're not going to have to show this to anyone else, but I want you to do this. And I want you to commit with me for the next 10 days that you're going to make a commitment to them. You're going to make a commitment that you are going to be a... So I want you to word it something like this. I am going to... I, I will become a better friend or I will become a better uh, husband or I will become a better uh, wife by, I want you to begin the sentence like that. I will become a, and so something like mine would be, I will become a better husband to Amy by not criticizing her for the next 10 days and giving her compliments only. That, that, that would, that would be, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's necessarily my commitment. Um, um, okay, Amy just wrote it down. All right. 
Uh, don't quote me on that. Um, so I, I, want you, I want you to write something down right now. It's a real practical thing. This is my challenge to you for the next 10 days. For the next 10 days, I want you to commit to being a better what? A better friend, a better spouse, a better parent, whatever the case may be. I want you to write this down. Write that down. I, will be, I commit to being a better whatever. And for the next 10 days, I will what? Make something that is very concrete. Make a commitment that's very concrete that you can see whether you've accomplished it or not. And in 10 days, I want you to look back on this. By the way, next Sunday, I'm going to remind you of it. So in 10 days, I want you to be able to look back on this and be able to say, okay, I, you know, whatever it is, I criticized my wife four different times and, and I, gave, I only gave her two compliments in the, last, in the previous 10 days. That's not very good. And so you know that you'll have a plan going forward. What is something concrete that you can do to begin to have a healthy relationship? Again, especially focusing on one particular person. We can't fix them all, all at once. What I found is that when our relationships are, are not healthy, when our relationships are not deep and abiding, it makes the rest of our lives chaos. It absolutely does. Because when we don't have those connections with others, when we don't have those deep and abiding relationships with others, we too will become emotional dumpers. Or we too will, will begin to cut ourselves off from, from everyone else and we'll begin to seclude ourselves and then we'll begin to feel, we'll begin to feel um, lonely, we'll, be, we'll begin to feel in despair. And, and, and again, I've even found when, when, when we don't have healthy relationships in our lives, we even begin to uh, have some feelings of depression come upon us as well. Jesus knew. He knew the importance of relationships from the very beginning. We are created for healthy, deep, and abiding relationships. Would you bow with me? Oh God, you've called us to this simple life. And oftentimes we have complicated life because we have, we have made that big I number one. We have become selfish. We have become materially oriented. We've become so overwrought with activities. God, we pray that you would help us to simplify our relationships, beginning to, to focus on having deep and abiding friendships, strong marriages, amazing relationships with our own children and grandchildren. Oh God, today we lift up to you these relationships that we, that we, that we wrote down. We ask that you would heal us, that you would give us deep and abiding relationships. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.